When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We love saving you money and we love companies doing their part to save the world. That's why we got to tell you about Ball and their manufacturing plant in Golden. They're currently looking for production technicians and you can read their full description and apply at jobs.ball.com by searching for Golden. It's $27 an hour with them. That includes comprehensive insurance, active the day of hire, 401k for retirement, stock purchase ownership program, and even potential for annual bonus. So many great benefits for working for a company like Ball. So text Golden to 77222 to get linked to their open positions or go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for Golden. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava's CBD and CBG infused coffee will leave you feeling energized throughout your day. It removes those chronic headaches, joint pains, even IBS if you suffer from that. You can have three or four cups a day without getting coffee jitters. Go to StravaCraftCoffee.com to get 25% off your first purchase with code DNVR25. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons. And joining me today on the DNVR Rockies podcast for the first time in a while, she's a longtime friend of the show. She's the managing editor of Purple Row. It's Sam Bradfield. What's going on, Sam? Hey, Patrick. Three or four cups of coffee without jitters. That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> well, that's how many I'm on now. I mean, I've wow. tested it out. I've gone five and it's, it's still been really good. And it's great, too, if you do a lot of exercising, which I am prone to do from time to time. Uh, it definitely helps with recovery, which which I love. And yeah. I appreciate you joining me on day 2,387th of this MLB lockout. Is, is that the exact number? I know you've been keeping track with the calendar. I can see it behind you right now as we record. <laughs> is that right, 2,387? Something like that. I mean, it's like March 385th, 2020, so who knows? <laughs> Great point. Great point. Yeah, it's still March 2020 in, in so many different ways. <laughs> in so what's many been, different ways. What's been your take on these CBA negotiations? We really only had the the one back and forth. I guess maybe it was just a back, right? It was MLB with their proposal uh, last week on uh, Thursday, but still have yet to hear from the players. In general, is it just frustration? You want to get this thing done? What's been your take on it so far? I mean, yes, I want to get it done, but I also want to get it done right. You know, union negotiations, as we're seeing right now, even with King Supers, like it's just it's always just a holy mess. And being back, you know, I was part of the uh, teachers union in Arizona and just I mean, it's I'm very pro union, but like um, it's just I mean, it's a mess. I want it to get done. Yes. And I'm frustrated that it's not, especially trying to like plan to go down for spring training and trying to figure out how that's going to fit into everything. But at the same time, I want it, I want it to be done right, um, not just for the sake of getting something done and play ball. And for anyone that might be thinking that the players are being too greedy, and I haven't really heard too many people saying that, which has been mm -hmm. great. Well, we'll see what happens as there's more back and forth. But keep in mind that the, the players aren't looking to get everything. They just want to maybe have a bit more balance. It seems like 
certainly with the last negotiation of, of the CBA in 2016, and even maybe the previous one before that, it did seem like the owners gained a little bit more advantage. And so players just want to try to have a bit more balance and, and make things a little bit more 50-50, which is fair. I mean, it's like, I mean, kind of with everything else, you know, I mean, even, you know, talk about buying a car, you know, you go in and you say, I want this price. And the salesman comes in and says, well, I want this price. And then you kind of like whittle your way into the middle. That's maybe a little bit high for you, but a little bit low for them. And in the end, it mostly works out for everybody. I mean, everything's a negotiation. You, you aim high and then you slowly, you're, you know, whittle yourself into something that's a compromise. And that's, you know, union negotiations, buying a car, or even just, you know, being in a relationship, you make some sacrifices and at the end of the day, it works for the most part and you make it's, it work. <laughs> it's only a problem in that, in that car analogy. If while you're negotiating back and forth, you miss like three weeks of work because well, you true. still don't have the car, which is, that's exactly what we hope doesn't happen here at right. MLB. And we miss three weeks of spring training. It seems, I feel pretty confident we're not going to lose any regular season games. We hope that there's not a delayed start, but Spring training could be impacted a little bit by it. Hopefully not the game in Las Vegas, which is mm -hmm. something interested. What has been your thought on that? Are you, is it in the back of your head? Like, you know what? I, I might go and cover that for purple row for two days on March 18th and 19th. I mean, unfortunately I'm busy that weekend, so I can't <laughs> go to Vegas. I'm going to see Hamilton instead. Um, but I think, you know, that's great. You know, expanding it out a little bit. I know, Vegas has become kind of a hot commodity for major league sports. So we'll kind of see, and especially like the diamondbacks with their, you know, they're kind of like the A's and have been having issues with the city of Phoenix, trying to get that stadium renovated or, you know, just trying to get that all sorted out. Um, so it would, I think one of my editors, uh, Adam was like, you know, it would be, you know, that's so A's to lose out on the Vegas pitch to the D-backs. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. That would be, that would be pretty wild. Yeah. I was, I was just looking at something recently about, you know, the, some of the stadiums that have been built in, in recent memory, something like, I think in the last 12 years, there's only been three new stadiums, but from something like 1998 to 2010 there was 13 stadiums some mm -hmm. something appalling like that and in looking at the list i realized oh wow chase field built in 1998 mm -hmm. is the fourth oldest ballpark in the nl we talk about course field, that wild right <laughs> we talk about course field being the third oldest and obviously we're very proud of that and it is this cathedral it's this mecca it's it's very much a baseball palace that you could very well imagine and, and maybe even dream of taking your grandchildren there someday i don't know that you would say the same about uh the ballpark formerly known as the bob yeah i mean i love the bob and i love chase field <laughs> like the bob was the first baseball like major league stadium that i ever went to uh, my little t-ball team took a like behind the scenes tour of it i think i was like five um and that was a lot of fun and i i love the d-backs they are obviously my second favorite team as you can see from all the bobbleheads behind me um you know i it's a it's fine it's a fine stadium it looks like an airplane hangar but they they do the fan experience really well and i think that's the thing that i most love about the d-backs like the the stadium's not the prettiest but the people working is really well done <laughs> 
over on Purple Row, I know you've been working on ranking the Rockies series, and you're still getting through this off season. And, and there have been some recent players that you have ranked and that you have written a little bit about. Was there anything that jumped out at you when you're doing these rankings? Or maybe you can even explain how you do those rankings, because there are some players who maybe spend more time on the Rockies, but don't contribute as much. How do you find that balance in, in ranking all, I imagine maybe about 48 different players, probably? I think it was 45 this year. Um, I'd have sure. to go back and look. So we, yeah, we do the ranking the Rockies, We you know, ranking the Rockies um, every year at the end of like starting day one of the off season, whenever that is, whether that's October 1st or, or November 1st or whenever it is. Um, it's something we do every year. And basically we just go on baseball reference and look at the 40 man or well, not necessarily the 40 man. Cause it can be 45, a any player that has had at least one at bat or pitched an inning for the Rockies gets ranked. So you'll see, you know, towards the bottom, you'll get a bunch of random relievers, um, who made like one appearance or something, or some guys who were kind of, you know, made their late September debuts. Um, and so, ba yeah, we basically, we just go through and rank them, you know, by, by B war. And then we set up a schedule and everybody goes through it. And now you've got going to make me go back and look at it and see who was where. <laughs> well, I'll give, I'll give you a lot of credit too. And, and this series did end up wrapping up in November with yeah, Trevor yeah. story as number one, but it's, it's one of those great things worth debating. You know, should this guy be higher? Should this guy be a little bit lower? But you did the write-up on Yancy Almonte, who was 45th. And where is he now? Well, he's he's a minor league free agent because he really mm -hmm. struggled. So by that metric, the way the way you were able to uh, to rank that, in fact, he was bottom on the list. I, I think you uh, you pretty much nailed it as far as how did he contribute to the season? How well did he do? And well. If, if you're 44 or 45, Chichi Gonzalez was 44, Yancy Almonte is 45, you might not be around next year. And hey, that was the case. So hats off to you. I think you, you, you hit that one out of the park as far as ranking the Rockies. Yeah, I mean, I will say, like I said, the you know, little blurb at the top of everyone says the purpose of this list is to provide a snapshot of the, of the player in context. The ranking is an organizing principle that's drawn from baseball reference war. It's not something that the staff debated, like literally just went on the table and ranked them from, you know, top to bottom and then wrote them up in reverse order. So, you know, there's definitely sometimes some argument and some surprise on who ends up going where, but um, for the most part, it's pretty accurate. If you look at guys who really, really contributed. And I thought it was really cool, you know, bittersweet that Trevor story ended up being our number one this year. Um, we'll see what happens with him, but we had him at the dnvr.com now just 50 cents for your first month, but on our Rockies coverage, he was awarded with the Larry Walker award for team MVP. And you go, wait, Trevor story, the guy who's kind of banged up a little bit and teams didn't maybe necessarily want to trade their top prospect for him as a rental for the final two months. And, you know, didn't, didn't hit over 300, didn't hit 30 home runs. That guy was the best player, but you know, by the standards of, of war. And, and you think about the other players that were on the team, you go, well, they really weren't better. And so, yeah, he, he really did have the best season. It wasn't his best, but it was the best. When you look at, you know, all 45 guys on that 2021 Colorado Rockies roster.
Yeah, I mean, it shows you the, the state of the Rockies and maybe it's not just a, these guys need to get better. Like we know they're really good and they just need to come together and things will click. I mean, even this year, you know, Story ranked in at, um, oh crap, it like froze. Huh. You know, he ranked in at a 4.2 our war. And so, you know, considering that we had more guys who were not negative this year than we did at least in 2020, which was interesting. I think only our like top 10 for 2020 were positive um, or at least not negative, but it's it's always interesting to kind of see because that seems, seems to be a trend. And I don't know how it was back pre 17, pre 2017 before I kind of got here. Um, but it's, it's always interesting to see, you know, who's the first guy who's not negative, (laughs) who's at zero. (laughs) Well, we're always keeping it positive on the corner of Colfax and York at the DNVR bar, especially with happy hour specials every day from three to 6 PM. That includes drink specials and appetizer discounts. Members, you know, you get a bigger beer. When you're down at the DNVR bar, we're going to supersize that bad boy. Probably pays for the price of your membership right from the get-go. We've got Breckenridge Brewery on tap as always. And you know, it's 50 cents for your first month if you haven't already been a member. But if you want to go all in on the annual membership, you do get a free shirt when you go over to dnvrlocker.com. And you get, of course, all of the great Broncos, Nuggets, Avs, Rockies coverage, along with CSU Rams and CU Buffs. Their college basketball season is just starting to heat up right now. First step to good health, it's taking care of your mouth. It's really true. And the folks at Green Mountain Dental Group have been pivotal, keeping those of us at DNVR in great shape. Same is true for our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. So schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group, located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, Sam, have you made a, a, a mental prediction as to who you think's going to the Super Bowl? Or do you have anyone that you're rooting for here to make okay. it to Super Bowl 56? Mostly just not rooting for the Packers and not rooting for the Chiefs. So um, my boyfriend's boss is from Buffalo, huge Bills fans. So we're rooting and, you know, he had him on his, fa- like Josh Allen on his fantasy team a couple of years ago. So we're rooting for the Bills, I think, um, since my Cardinals got knocked out and embarrassing horrible awful fashion on monday night <laughs> yeah we probably shouldn't talk about yeah, that i think i think the bills it. are a good afc pick for for mm-hmm. broncos fans there's not too much animosity there there is a big bills community in mm-hmm. denver and of course as you mentioned with josh allen uh former qb of the university of wyoming you go yeah okay I, i'd be okay with those guys going to super bowl 56 and as such DraftKings is allowing you 56 to 1 odds on any team, even if they're the favorite. Bet just $5 to get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? Don't fret, because you can still get in on the action of the divisional round with same-game parlays. That's where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Seriously. You bet $5 and you win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code DNVR for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl, Patrick? The team that's going to <laughs> win me the most money? I'm, I'm going to go with that. Okay. Uh, if, you, if you guess the coin toss right, how about that? I like those prop okay. bets. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I mean... Everyone's obviously sick and tired of Tom Brady, but I, I got respect for the guy. I really, I really, I'm really rooting for the bull of uh, the Bills. I, I really would like to see Buffalo do it. It's uh, Bengals would be fun too, with Joe Bengals Burrow. Would be bad. That'd be fun. Sure. Uh, I I don't know if the Bengals have ever won a Super Bowl. I know they they went to two in the uh, in the 80s. Don't I don't know if they've ever had one, but uh, I'm pretty sure the Bills haven't. So. No, because they had those four in a row and lost yes. all four. <laughs> four Marv Levy. Yeah, yeah, four Marv Levy. Yeah. Uh, we, we do have good news. Uh, and we have, uh, speaking of uh, being a winner, you know, the Rockies, I think, have put together a really nice nice coaching staff this past week. First, on, on Tuesday, they announced their AAA pitching staff. And on Wednesday, they uh, introduced their double A staff for the Hartford Yard Goats, I and mean, we haven't got a chance to to give a shout out to a lot of those double A coaches that they they've brought on board. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at the list. You got Chris Norfia, who's coming back for his third season, um, or sorry, um, second season with the Yard Goats, third in the Rocky system, and then you've got. Um, ugh. Luis Lopez, who's joining as the bench coach, his first season in the Rockies org. Um, Blaine Beatty, who's coming on as the hitting coach. Um, it's going to be his first year in Hartford, but also his fourth season with the Rockies. It says here that he was with Albuquerque last year in 2021 and also Grand Junction in 2019. Um, and then you've got Tom Suteris, who's coming on as or entering his second season as the hitting coach. Um, entering his fifth year with the with the Rockies as a whole, so I think it's a it's a decent staff. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Tom Suteris is a great guy. He's he's from my neck of the woods in oh, cool. uh, Tom, Tom's River, New Jersey. He's a Jersey guy. Caught up with him down at the Arizona Fall League in November, nice. and so you know he's already worked with with Michael Tolia, and he's worked with Ezekiel Tovar, who he imagines got to start at Double A next year for the yard goats was there in, in Lancaster when Sam Hilliard was on the come up and was an all-star in the California league. So uh, he's got a real strong pedigree and, and does an amazing job working with these guys. So I'm, I'm really glad that, that he's back looking forward to seeing what uh, Luis Lopez is, is capable of a, a somewhat newer guy in the organization. And so it's always good getting some of those, the, the outside influence, if you will, from mm -hmm. other teams and, and working with, the Colorado guy. So that should be a, a good match made. And, uh, and I love the triple a staff. I already talked about I it too, yeah. with Drew Goodman. I, I think that's, uh, you know, a stroke of genius for a lot of ways. Again, I don't, I would almost be shocked if, if, if the triple a roster, which again, we're yet to see who's going to be on the team. I still think there, there could be some of their top 10 prospects, right? Maybe Valade's down there to start the year. And so you say, okay, that's a very good ball player. Tolio's going to come up at some point. 
Again, very talented guy. Matt Dennis is going to be there, you imagine, uh, after a second straight season in Double A Hartford. So they've got some good pieces, but even still, you know, a 500 record might be ambitious. It's just a good mix with the New Mexico and the Albuquerque guy and Jordan Pacheco with his Mm -hmm. Colorado connections as a former Rocky. Uh, And then Frank Gonzalez getting to work at altitude, a place where he's made a name for himself. uh, Same as his son, Marco Gonzalez up at Fort Collins. So uh, I think it's just a wonderful step. And then of course, Warren Schaefer, who is Mm -hmm. uh, a rising star when you're, you're thinking about, you know, top young managers, a guy who might be 35, perhaps it's, it's wild to think how young he is and, you know, uh, buddies in his last year of his deal. And so he's not on the hot seat, but you know, who's the ma- going to be the manager in, in 2023. I don't know. It might not necessarily be Warren Schaefer, but he's, he's going to be a candidate uh, for some potential openings. If GM Bill Schmitz decides, you know what? I, I want my own staff. Like I inherited this staff and they're, they're quality guys, but I, I might, need to, to change some things up a little bit. And the, the end of a contract and expiring of a contract is kind of a natural end of it. And so keep your eye out and keep your ears open for that name, Warren Schaefer. hundred mm-hmm, percent. And I, I really liked the Jordan Pacheco hire. You know, I remember watching him with the rocks and he was always like, he was just happy. <laughs> he was just fun to watch. <laughs> I know. Um, Mac Wilcox has been doing his My Guy series, and I think Jordan Jordan Pacheco is on his radar as one of his guys. So keep an eye out for that coming down the pike. And even just, I mean, he's an Albuquerque native, and so working on the, you know, working at altitude in Albuquerque in the, you know, notorious hitters park and whatever <laughs> in Albuquerque, and also having the experience in Colorado, I think he could really be a good like bridge person to really help, especially that prep those young guys, you know, the Valades coming up um, and even, you know, Toglia and some of those other guys as they come up, you know, really prepping them and knowing how things react in Albuquerque and how can that then translate to, to Denver. Before we get into our hall of fame discussion, both the literal baseball hall of fame ballot and some starting pitchers that we think would be a part of either the first class of a Rockies team hall of fame, or just somewhere in the first five to 10 years. I got it. I got a, this is a surprise because Sam in our pre-production meeting, I did not bring this up. So we're just gonna have to get your initial reaction, Sam. What are your thoughts on the new purple taco hats from the Fresno Grizzlies? I think they're sweet. <laughs> they got to have a little like apostrophe on them though. And I think that would be like perfect. You could start a little business, maybe an, an Etsy shop, where you just sell the hats, but with you know a stitched on apostrophe S go. on it, or even just an apostrophe. You could go that route to yeah. kind of almost hide it, so you know, like there's an apostrophe. You don't need the S; you just need the apostrophe to yeah. lock it in. It could be a little side business. If you do that, I, I do need to take you know at least twenty five percent on the cut for getting that out there. But yeah, those hats are are nice. I like the uh, the Fresno Growers, the mm-hmm. the little apple with the or not the apple, but the baseball with the leaf on top. So it, it almost looks a little like an apple. The leaf looks like a little hat mm-hmm. on uh, on top of that baseball. So Fresno's doing some cool things. I want to. Really I'm are. curious. I'm curious if they are going to have an all purple uniform that includes purple pants. Because if you remember last year, some of the best highlights were seeing Zach Veen in those red pants. I'm not sure what shade of red they were exactly, but that was Thomas. 
Yeah. He, oh, he'll, yeah, <laughs> Thomas <definitely>. would know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's red number two fifty eight. You're like, okay. Yeah. Uh, he would know, but they had an all red uniform, including the pants. And so now that they're switching over, they are going to be an affiliate for the Rockies for a decade. That's the new uh, professional baseball agreement, the PBA, and the the developmental contract that they have between the two parties. So. We could be seeing some uh, purple pants, maybe lavender pants, even if you just want to go with an off-white. Yeah, I mean, got to get that color rush going in MLB, right? <laughs> um, I mean, the Cardinals have the the light blue uniforms, and the I think the Blue Jays, right, have those light blue uniforms. I mean, might as well go lavender with the Rockies, right? We could start it in Fresno, see how it looks, and if it looks good, call it up. Yeah, great point. If if the minor leagues are going to be a test market to see how things are going to work in in the big leagues, whether it's rules, whether it's you know uh, PED testing, which got its start in the minors before it made its way to the majors, you might as well try it out with some different colors and different shades and some outside the box ideas. I mean, if they're going to go so far as to have lavender pants, I mean, a lavender vest. I mean, the the Grizzlies do an amazing job at their marketing. I mean, they, Mm -hmm. the whole Fresno tacos thing for, for anyone who, who may not know and and, and might be new to the Rockies fan base or whatever that predates the, the, you know, tacos with the apostrophe S like they were doing that before then, before every team had a food identity, before there were the, what was it? Hartford steamed cheeseburgers and the Albuquerque green Green chili chili cheeseburgs and the (laughs) Omaha runzas, like all of that stuff, you know, the tacos were the first ones to do that. And they have a big, you know, taco festival. They do some amazing things out there. And so they're, they're really pushing the the creativity limits. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what other new things they're going to be able to do now that they're, they're in the queue. They're, they're going through, you know, last year, was the first uh, official year of these these new affiliates and again with the pandemic it was hard to know you know what to expect what kind of fans were going to be there they also had previous stock from 2019 and 2020 so now you know they can get really creative and and start to think outside the box with their logos and with their uniforms yeah it'll be fun to see how it all how it all plays out we got to tell you about the relief and recovery creams from Escape Artists. You've heard about it before, and now you can get the highest awarded topical brand in Colorado that prioritizes quality and consistency. Yes, it's Escape Artists that produce these creams that can help penetrate for deep muscle tissue discomfort that's fast absorbing and is not greasy or going to stain your clothes or sheets, which is very common for these type of things, but not with Escape Artists. And not at Lightshade Dispensary, where you can now find them. There's 10 in the Denver metro area. And Lightshade has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top-shelf flowers, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. Now podcast listeners can get 25% off non-sale items with code DNVR. Shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or visit a Lightshade location near you. Your Colorado rugby team is back again But now as the American Raptors, if you haven't heard of the American Raptors, they're a top-notch group of athletes who have already competed at the highest level of their respective sports. We're talking, yeah, baseball, wrestling, soccer, basketball, football, track and field, you name it. Our guy Colton Strickler has got it all covered for you on the weekly DNVR Rugby podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. To learn more about rugby with Colton's one-on-one rugby podcasts with exclusive interviews with both athletes and coaches, plus... 
baby. This is the best part. The DNVR Rugby Podcast provides betting advice on the Super Rugby that starts at the end of February, right when the football season finishes. So we're all geared up for Super Bowl 56, but what are you going to do the day after that? Colton Strickler and the DNVR Rugby Podcast has got you covered to be prepared for the Super Rugby. Head over to AmericanRaptors.com to stream all of their games or to even score some free tickets. Again, that's AmericanRaptors.com. Let's give the people what they want. Before we talk about some of the Baseball Hall of Famers, let's just jump right to the Rockies Hall of Fame. First and foremost, how long overdue is this? And maybe you can even pull from your experience in Arizona because I think it was right at the start of 2018, the Diamondbacks, a team who's five years younger and arguably has less history than the Colorado Rockies, unveiled their own Hall of Fame. And yet the Rockies still have yet to have their own. I got to say the D-backs hall of fame is really cool. Um, you know, they unveiled it for their 20th season and it was, it was super cool. It's on that, like the center field concourse and yeah, they have a lot less history, but I feel like they have a lot of accolades that they were able to, you know, market. I mean, they have, um, Luis Gonzalez and all of his accolades. They have Randy Johnson and his, you know, MVPs and Cy Youngs and, you know, all and his Hall of Fame enshrinement a couple of years ago as well. I mean, just there's so much going on. I definitely think it's time for the Rockies to start doing that, or even like a Ring of Fame, like the Broncos do. Just something to recognize these players, other than the numbers on the wall that every, like Rockies fans know. But I know I was on a tour of Coors Field a few years ago, right after uh, Todd Helton got his number retired, and it was I think it might have been actually like 2016 or 17. It was right when the Cubs started being really, really, really good. And I was on a tour with a guy and the, the tour guide asked who, like who the numbers were. And the guy goes, Oh, that's Chris Bryant. Right. And it's like, no. <laughs> so like, we know, huh? So different number 17 close enough, I guess. But like, you know, I mean, it's one of those like Rockies fans know who they are, but nobody else knows. And we don't have a lot of bandwagon fans like, like the Cubbies do, or like, you know, the Dodgers or the Yankees, we don't have that kind of bandwagon or like national notoriety. So I definitely think some sort of ring of fame, if not hall of fame, it would be hard logistically, I think, to find a place in Coors Field just because of how it's like set up. Chase Field is indoors. So they were kind of able to tunnel back into some things, but I'm trying to think of where they could put something like that. But at least a ring of fame would be cool. I know that when Coors Field was originally built, there was a room. I think I believe that was designated to be a future Hall of Fame, and then ultimately just became a large closet with a bunch of artifacts. That that mm -hmm. that's where they they kept those things. Now, you know, who knows? I want to say it was somewhere down the the right field line. I don't know exactly, but they they did have that in mind because you go, yeah, that's that's a common thing you you, you think about when you're mm -hmm. when you're building a stadium. Of course, again, you want the luxury boxes, you know, you got the bullpens, and you go, well, at some point we need to have a some type of museum. And even if you know after ten years of baseball, even if you were last place for the first ten years, you might want to have a museum of players who come from the state of Colorado that you want to mm -hmm. acknowledge or again, just, all right, been around for 10 years. Let's acknowledge that first expansion 
roster or or people who played with the Denver Bears because there's just such a right. rich history. And you're right, Rockies fans, they they know their guys. And then there's always new generations and always new people mm-hmm. coming into Denver who don't know and would like to know more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unless you're, you know, reading Purple Row or listening to the DNVR Rockies podcast, you might not be as familiar with names that are kind of under the radar like Marvin Freeman or Joe Kennedy, guys that we'll kind of touch on today that, you know, they weren't all-stars and they didn't stick around for the Rockies for a very long time, but they have a place in history and, you know, they've, they might not have the, the awards and plaques and the accolades, as you said, like with guys like Randy Johnson or Kurt Schilling. But if you use baseball reference and and you look at the statistics, you say, wow, this guy is at the top of a, a lot of lists or he's number one all time in this particular category in a single season. And so that definitely needs to be acknowledged somehow. Ring of Fame uh, is, is, a, is a great idea. We talked about that on Tuesday's podcast with Noah Yingling from Rocks Pile. I threw out there, hey, purple jackets. Why you not? Go. You know, when you go in, you slide that purple jacket on with the CR, you know, on the, on the left breast, whatever it may be. That's That's another wrinkle to the whole thing and whether it's one guy a year or whether it's a couple guys, it, it doesn't matter. Just have it somewhere. You don't even have to induct a guy every year, right? We think about that mm-hmm. with the baseball hall of fame where they have always had that happen, you know, either veterans committee, they'll get it done, but you, you got to have a place for people to go. And even if it's at McGregor square, okay. Yeah. As, as you said, place. as you said, course field, you go, eh, where would that fit? And that seems like the natural location but you know on the bright side if it wasn't at Coors Field if it wasn't at their home a place at McGregor Square would allow people to go there all year round and you wouldn't just have to wait for those 81 dates to go to the Hall of Fame you could just go on a on a random Tuesday in November and say hey I, I want to go and, and check out some of the plaques of Carlos Gonzalez or whoever it may be but you're right it's long overdue or you could put it on a tour of Coors Field. You know, you don't have to just go during those 81 games. You could still go on that random Tuesday in November. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So go ahead and, and hit me with a couple guys that, you know, for you right off the bat, if we're looking just at starting pitchers now, again, the Rockies have been a, a hitter franchise. And really, when you think of Colorado Rockies, shoot, you could probably go through 10 names before you even hit a single pitcher of course there's some people who maybe would only go five but look there's a lot of hitters but you know what we've done our work we know the history of the rockies there are still some pitchers who contributed to this franchise in a major way who would you love to see get in at some point in a rockies team hall of fame i mean i think the obvious choice here is ubaldo jimenez you know only no hitter in rockies history and started the all-star game and just you know leaders and he's the leader in you know, God only knows how many categories I looked them all up and I lost track. <laughs> like just, he's definitely like, if you can only induct one, he's probably going to be your guy. So yeah, he's, he's that, definitely one that struck out, you know, Jorge de la Rosa, um, you know, team leader in wins still. And even, you know, Jeff Francis, um, those are kind of some of the three that stuck out. Aaron Cook and Pedro Estacio were also guys that came to my mind. Um, but definitely like of those five, I think, yeah, Ubaldo is like, he's Mr. Rocky's pitcher. <laughs> yeah. I think he has to be number one. If, if 
you know, you, you want a starting pitcher in the first class, or you're just thinking about who would be the first guy to get in. Not that it would be the end of the world if he wasn't the first guy, but as you said, amazing resume there was third in the NL Cy Young award voting that year in, in 2010, 15 and one record going into the all-star break did even get some MVP votes was 23rd that year. Uh, and as you said, you know, probably the, the most important statistic when we think about starting pitching ERA, right? Lowest mm -hmm. in franchise history with 3.66. If you go the other way, if you go the anti uh, or the anti Manny Randawa route and you're looking at wins, <laughs> that's where the guy you mentioned second there, Jorge De La Rosa, he's got 86. Also most strikeouts, Mm -hmm. Second most games started and second most innings behind only the guy you mentioned, Aaron Cook, who had the most games started, 206 most innings, second most complete games for the Cooker, uh, and second most wins with 72. So those are all uh, fantastic choices. And I love that you said Pedro Estacio because that's the one guy I think that might get forgotten the most because all those other guys are from 2007 on. I think I think Pedro Stasio and Jason Jennings don't get as much mm -hmm. press because they weren't a part of the the 0709 group and yet Astacio most complete games in franchise history uh, most in a single season he had seven uh, in 1999 and then Jason Jennings of course the only rookie of the year award winner and even, even if he just did that and only had a couple years with the Rockies you say well look in a team hall of fame you acknowledge those plaques, as you said, the Diamondbacks mm -hmm. did. And that that's what it's there for. That's what the team Hall of Fame is to remember, even if it's only a season. And so not only does he have the Rookie of the Year Award, uh, I believe from, from 2002, but in 2001, when he debuted, he threw a shutout in his first ever start, homered in that start, the only player to ever homer and throw a shutout in his Major League debut. And one of my more favorite fun facts that I've recently discovered is he is the only pitcher to Homer off hall of famer, Greg Maddox. There you go. So that in itself, like Rockies hall of fame Thank right you. there, right there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> A couple guys that, um, are on the fringe from the old timers. We'll get to, active players and, and mm -hmm. who you think of the active guys might have a shot, but other players that are on the fringe, you, again, I, I mentioned Joe Kennedy in 2004 had a three, six, six ERA, uh, which is equivalent to a one thirty-five ERA plus 5.6 wins above replacement. Marvin Freeman's uh, 1994 uh, earned him a fourth, in, fourth place in the NL Cy Young award voting. 2.80 ERA, lowest in team history. I think because he didn't technically qualify by the standards, there was a strike. So, you know, he only pitched through mid-August. Uh, when you look, it, it shows Freeland's 2.86 from 2018. But mm -hmm. if you've kind of stretched that a little bit, Freeman's 2.80 ERA in 94, which was a 179 ERA plus, is fantastic. And then David Need, a guy who was the first pick in the expansion draft through the first pitch in franchise history at Shea Stadium back on April 5th, 1993. So those are some of those guys where after everyone that you mentioned that I'm fully on board with, Sam, you say, all right, well, 
we're going to need some guys who maybe did something a little bit here and there and, and, and be less and less picky. I think you could see those guys get in at some point. Mm-hmm. But by that point, we might have a couple of players whose careers are ended. Of the active players right now, Sam, who do you think has a decent shot, whether because they are still adding to their resume or they've already done enough and they've gone elsewhere? I think Herman Marquez is definitely like the one to keep an eye on. I mean, he's, oh, you mean, you know, played in the all-star game this last year. He was the Rockies loan representative. Um, I mean, he's had a phenomenal career over the, you know, consistently phenomenal over the last few years. If you look at some of the other guys, you know, Kyle Freeland definitely like comes to mind maybe more as a fringe guy. Cause he had that phenomenal 2018 season. He had the, almost near no hitter in 2017, but then has kind of been all over the place since then. And, you know, if he can find consistency, then I definitely could see him getting in. But right now he's a little on the fringe for me. Um, I think John Gray, you know, definitely as well. He's had, you know, also kind of an up and down all over the place career with the Rockies, but like that 16 strikeout game against the Padres, definitely, I think, is, you know, puts him up in there, but then also the struggles in 2018 that left him off of the NLDS roster, maybe, you know, kind of down. So I guess it's kind of depending on what your metrics are. He's definitely among the lead among the team leaders in a lot of stats. Um, I mean, he's second to Jorge De La Rosa in strikeouts and Herman is third. So with uh, 849 for gray and 816 for Herman and counting. So I think, you know, gray has a case also, those are definitely the yeah. three I think that are definitely that you could make a case for one way or another. And even as you mentioned with Marquez, where you say, of course, yeah, he's on his way. He'll, he'll get there. Even if his career ended abruptly now, much like Gray's did, right? We know why goes and signs a four year, $56 million deal with the Texas Rangers. But you look at, you know, what he, he did and sure frustrating at times, uh, similar to maybe Kyle Freeland uh, to a degree. But as you said, you put it right there. The numbers show that he was around for uh, quite a long time and not a lot of Rockies pitchers have had the length of his car- of a career that he did. And so that's that's obviously worth something. But Marquez was an all-star. And that's not to be taken lightly when you think about pitchers making the all-star team with this franchise because – I believe there's only eight pitchers who have ever been an all-star for the Rockies and a handful of them were relievers. And so Mm -hmm. you say maybe Jason Marquis, maybe, maybe you even put uh, players in under the auspices of a single game. So as you said, John Gray, the 16 strikeout game against the Padres, you go, okay, you know what? He's in there for a game. Okay, fine. Jason Marquis, he's in there for being an all-star in 2009 with the Rockies as as a starting pitcher. Uh, Same thing for Sean Chacon and, yeah, Mike Hampton. You know, you you might not want to acknowledge that, but he was an all-star in 2001. And and Aaron Cook was, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, got the pitch at, at Yankee Stadium. So when you look at it through that lens, you go, hey, there are some guys who should be proud of their career pitching in Colorado. And so they, they should be acknowledged as such. Well, and even for the the current players, like how much with, especially with Freeland and gray with their, their careers being a little bit more Rocky, if you will. Um, like how much do you take into account 
just like fan interactions and fans who like John Gray. I know a lot of people who absolutely adore John Gray as a human yeah. being myself as one of them. Like he was, he's absolutely been one of my favorite people to talk to over the last few years. And, you know, for a guy like him or even Kyle Freeland being, you know, Colorado native and doing all of the things that he's been doing, you know, how much do you take some of those intangibles and put that in there as well? I think a lot more for a team hall of fame, right? Yes, Where 100%. again, again, hall the hall of fame uh, in, in Cooperstown is, you know, show me the statistics. Like let's mm -hmm. give it, give us the data. And yeah, you can finagle things a little bit with some postseason play, if you will, and maybe some contributions to the overall good of the game, but really show me the numbers. Whereas with the team hall of fame, it's, you know, what did this guy represent to the community? And, mm -hmm. and what did he do for fans and how well, as you said, uh, are they beloved? And so that could be a coach. That could be a manager at some point. I mean, yeah, I, I, I didn't necessarily plan on talking about uh, managers uh, in, in this series, but I, I'm thinking I, I, I might have to because there are obviously <laughs> Don Baylor and uh, Clint Hurdle and, and Bud Black are, are on that list. Uh, I did uh, write an article uh, for DNVR Rockies over at the DNVR Dot com now 50 cents for your first month that was uh, published on Wednesday afternoon about the history of every single coach to ever be a part of the Colorado Rockies who was featured on a Hall of Fame ballot. So ultimately, we're talking about guys who during their playing career did some big things. And, you know, some of those guys are are beloved and some of those guys are, are really uh, fondly appreciated by fans. And for those that might not know. You go, oh, that was interesting. I, I vaguely remember that season in, in 94 of seeing Dwight Evans. I didn't realize how great of a career he had with Boston and that he was on the Hall of Fame ballot for a couple years. And so, you know, there those, I like how you put it, intangibles, those absolutely should count for something. And again, if you put this out to the fans and say, hey, fans, who do you want this year? We're going to let you guys vote, and then we're going to decide that's – Whoever wins the fan vote, that's who we're calling up the next day. We're talking to him. We're talking to his agent, whoever it is. And we say, we got to get you in. Fans decided they need an injection of John Gray in their life right now in 2036 or whatever it may be. I, I think all of those are, are fantastic options. Well, and I think it's even a great way to honor those guys, you know, e keeping on the track of John Gray of like, you really wanted to keep him. And, you know, but it just didn't work out. Granted, you know, John Gray, maybe with him being a free agent, they could have worked something out. But some other guys, you know, maybe even, you know, Troy Tulowitzki, who was traded midseason to say, you know, look, I'm sorry, we just, you know, we don't need you right now. We need the prospects that you're going to bring back, but we'll bring you back for a Hall of Fame thing later. You can sign a, you know, one day contract and retire as a Rocky, <laughs> like do all that kind of stuff. I like that. But, um, you know, I think for those guys that, you you know, even you know, um, thinking, I mean, specifically like about Paul Goldschmidt, where they were like, you know, we, you know, the D-backs were like, we really love you, man. And we really want you to stay a diamond back for life, but we're just not in a place for you, for you to be successful. Like we don't want to hold you back. So we'll trade you to St. Louis and, you know, we'll kind of figure ourselves out, but you go be successful. You go do you, and we'll bring you back later. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so an, an NL West in, corner infielder being traded to the Cardinals and the ownership saying, <laughs> look, let's be honest about why we're doing it. That's refreshing. <laughs> I, I, I know. It's crazy, that. right? 
I enjoy that. Yes, very much so. So let's let's get to the Baseball Hall of Fame discussion. And really, before we even get into the names, what's been your take on the PED era? Because if we're talking about starting pitchers, we got to talk about two guys who uh, was reported. Well, I how do I clean the words up? They use PEDs, Roger Clemens, because we know of court testimonies and and the whole Brian McNamee situation, and Andy Pettit, who uh, I believe was suspended and, and did admit, mm-hmm. hey, yeah, I needed to, to get over some injuries. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's partially the whole point, and that's why you shouldn't be doing it. So those are two guys that are on the list, and it, it, it's the question that it, you still can't get away from. It seemed like mm-hmm. in the 10th ballot with Bonds and Clemens, those guys, Hey, they're going to be done, and we can kind of move on from this. And then, oh, it's the first year for David Ortiz and, and Alex Rodriguez. But so, what's been your general take on those players who use PEDs, whether officially, unofficially, were suspended, or otherwise? What are your thoughts? Yeah. So, so I spoke about this um, on my appearance on Purple Rose podcast, affected by altitude. Find us on Twitter at Altitude Effect. Um, and we, we spoke about this a little bit over the weekend and my whole take on PEDs is, is, you know, thinking about like Bonds and Clemens and Sosa specific, like specifically, those are the ones that always like come to my mind is like, I know it's touchy and I know it's a weird subject, but at the same time, you know, everybody was using them. It wasn't just the hitters. It wasn't just the pitchers. It was everybody. And so if you are taking steroids and still hitting a bunch of home runs off of a pitcher who is also taking steroids, you know, you're still the best of the best hitting off of the bet, like playing against the best of the best. Granted, it's kind of the best of the best plus, I suppose, but you know, it's <laughs> the best of the best performance enhancing drug users, right? The best of the best, like plus some other extra stuff, but like, you know, that that's kind of my take is they, you know, the stat, like they, yes, they all took it, uh, but the, most of them, they all took it. So you're still, yeah, you know, the stats are still probably about where they would have been if nobody was using it. Maybe I don't know, but that's that's kind of my general take. Is like, it's still like everybody's doing it, so it's not as special. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. that saying in The Incredibles where he's like, if everybody's super, then nobody is. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of how, kind of how I think about it is just the pitchers were taking it, the hitters were taking it and they still put up these like outrageous statistics. Yeah. And, and so even if you feel that the numbers are inflated, well, that's okay because we have the ability to put it in context, as you said. Mm-hmm. So, all right, if everyone was hitting over 500 home runs, well, we can still create a scale where there, there are still metrics out there to compare these guys together. That's why you look at Dante Bichette's numbers in the nineties and you go like, Oh wow. Like he, his uh, wins above replacement is not a lot. A lot of that is brought down by his defense, but nevertheless, even if you just look at his offensive war, you go, Oh, that's according to that metric. It's not as impressive. Yeah. Maybe because a lot of guys are hitting 40 home runs and driving in 115 runs. And so that's just kind of, how it goes. And, and that, that has this ultimately been, been my take on that of, uh, of my generation of guys. It's, it's a little uh, heartbreaking uh, to say the least, but uh, I know in the NL West guys that, that you have some experience with uh, Tim Hudson is on his second ballot after getting 5% last year. Doesn't look like he'll get that this year. And then Jake Peavy on his mm-hmm. first ballot uh, this year in 2022. Yeah. And also, you know, Tim Lintz comes in there too. And we'll, you know, we'll kind of see 
see how they go. Um, I'm not, you know, super familiar with a lot of them. My, my Rockies fandom started a lot in 2007. Uh, I think like a lot of my kind of generation <laughs> and then took a little bit of a hiatus and really started paying attention, you know, back in 2014, 15. So, I mean, yeah, Tim Hudson kind of see Lincecum, you know, he's got some great accolades. He's got, you know, some, you know, he's got the, what was it? The two Cy Youngs and, yeah. you know, the three championships. And he's also, you know, all-star, four-time all-star. Great hair. Starting pitcher. Yeah, starting pitcher in 2009. Great hair. Like, <laughs> these are all great metrics to measure to measure a Hall of Fame guy on. I just don't think Lincecum is there for this year. He might take a little bit longer and maybe, you know, build some of that up. But... I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, maybe five or six getting down the line. Um, yeah, he's an interesting case because he just didn't have the longevity. Like, I, mm-hmm. it, it honestly yeah. wouldn't surprise me if he signed with a team on a minor league deal this spring, like, because he still works out. He still goes to different pitching oh, yeah. academies and it gets leaked a little bit online. I also don't know if people are, are still getting amped up over, you know, seeing Tim Lincecum at, 152 pounds soaking wet uh, at 37 years old, which he is, he's still incredibly young, but he just had those, those issues and just didn't have a long career. But when he was healthy, he was, you know, he had hall of fame seasons. He he just didn't necessarily have enough. And so the, the thing that I've, I've been kind of, I'm not gonna say pounding the table over, but just putting this idea out there that some players might deserve a vote just to just for us to have a a, a better conversation about their candidacy. Like I, my initial instinct is no, Tim Linscombe isn't a Hall of Famer. But you know what? If he's on the ballot again next year and, and maybe even the year after that, those conversations are going to get a little bit more mm-hmm. in depth about his back to back Cy Young awards and how dominant he was and his importance in those three Giants World Series. And you look and you go, well, really. Outside of Buster Posey, you know, maybe Madison Bumgarner, we'll see what happens to his career. But you go, how can there be really one Hall of Famer on a, a team that won three World Series in five years? Maybe more credit should be given or more weight given to a guy like Tim Linscombe. And right now, again, we're not having that conversation, and that's okay. But when a guy doesn't get 5%, he doesn't stay on the ballot, the conversation's over. There's, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen again until he gets onto some kind of veterans committee. So I, I would, I would like to, to maybe talk a little bit more about, about him. Like you said, with Linscombe PV, you know, he was, he was great for a little while with, with the Padres and, uh, but I, I, I don't ever see the conversation shifting towards him being a hall of famer is a hall of fame guy for. Uh, putting that meatball over the plate for Todd Helton to hit that <laughs> home run uh, in September of, of 2013. Tim Hudson, I said no. And then once I started looking at his baseball reference page, said, you know what, maybe I need to give him a little bit more credit for the, his longevity. Mark Burley, I've talked about before. He's on a second ballot, probably not going to stick around. Was never necessarily a number one, but was almost always a great number two starter. And there's a lot to be valued there. Did win the World Series with the White Sox in 2005. And then you got Kurt Schilling, Clemens, Pettit, those guys yeah. that uh, are, are a little controversial. But it's, uh, it's a good group of starting pitchers. And I, it's crazy to think that 
it takes time to understand if a guy's a Hall of Famer, where you're a Hall of Famer the first year, then or not. That that that's it. But that that's just not how this process works. Do you like the ability to debate about these guys that go on, or does it does this seem like overkill to to have to state the case? Obviously, we're doing that now in our market with Todd Helton. Uh, we had to do that with Larry Walker for so long. Is that do you like that part of this process, or do you think it needs to change and maybe be more of a yeah. binary ballot, yes or no? If it's no, goodbye, and maybe a veterans committee will will vote you when you're 70 years old. I mean, I, I think binary in anything is always a challenge, so I don't think it needs to be binary. I feel like perhaps 10 years is a little overkill in a sense of like if you didn't get in the first i mean larry walker getting in on his 10th year on the ballot is is pretty rare like you usually get in before that or you don't get in at all and so i think we'll i mean we'll see with these guys with these ped guys falling off the ballot you know like this year next year um what they like how that changes things because i know there's been some kind of debate with you know guys taking Todd Helton off their ballot this year, knowing they're going to vote for him next year because somebody right. else is going to fall off the ballot. So I'm interested to see how that changes things. Um, but I maybe shorten it to like five years. Cause it's one of those things you can talk about him the first year and you're like, okay, he's not a hall of famer, but then the more you talk about it, is it really going to change people's minds over the next decade um, one way or another. I mean, we know people are very set in their ways and very set in their opinions. So if you're debating the same guy for 10 years, is it really going to change anybody's mind? You might get some new voices in there who are, you know, for or opposed somebody, but is it really going to change the guy's minds who have been there for a while? So I, I don't know. It's, it's tricky. Any hall of fame is kind of weird, but I don't think it should be a simple yes or no, but I also think 10 years is a long time. Yeah, I think it's it's typical baseball, right? We we mm -hmm. like to have these conversations. We like to have metrics uh, like Jaws to try to figure out and and try to do things mathematically and and keep it the the artistic game that it is. And so with with artistic uh, and and artistry, there's a lot of subjectiveness to all mm -hmm. of that, right? It's 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 a feel, and that's that's good for some reasons. And as you point out, you know that. Uh, that has its its downsides at times too. So uh, we'll definitely uh, wait to see what happens next Tuesday, January 25th on who gets in right now. Uh, as of our recording, I think Roger Clemens is trending just above the 75th percentile. But as we know, those ballots that have not been public usually are more conservative in that they mm -hmm. vote for less guys. And so you probably have to bet he's going to come up just short, similar to Barry Bonds, who is a, has a couple more votes than Clemens right now. And Ortiz is uh, the favorite. He's got the, the oh, most 100%. votes so far. And if he gets in, that'll be seven guys that will go into Cooperstown this year. And so we'll keep an eye on that. It's uh, it's always fun talking Hall of Fame. It's always great debating and it's it's always great talking with you sam any anything we should keep an eye out for uh this off season whether or not it's it's going down to spring training any articles or even if you want to big up some of the other people on 
purple row because again you're the managing editor so you are uh you're the the godmother of of all of this and so <laughs> you see it all and so you know what you don't have to talk about yourself you can talk about the the wonderful people that you have working with you yeah i mean i i don't have any immediate projects coming down the pike i'm hoping to get back down to spring training i haven't been down there since the uh great shutdown of 2020 um, so hopefully we'll see with, uh, work and school, if I'm able to get down there, um, we've got some really good article ideas, just have to, you know, talk to players again. I know, um, Mac is working, Mac Wilcox is working on his, my guy series that goes up pretty regularly, not like scheduled, but pretty regularly where he talks about, you know, his guys where they never had, maybe they weren't the, the big superstars and the big flashy guys, but guys that he really, really connected with and really liked um, this week. He did John Garland. Uh, he did a piece on John Garland. As I mentioned, he's, you know, looking to do Pacheco. He's done Tony Walters. Um, some good stuff there. We've got our um, Rockies major league podcast, which is affected by altitude. And we've got a minor league podcast that we're, you know, wait for the minor league season called the Pebble Report podcast hosted by Justin Wick and Kenneth Weber. Um, and other than that, you know, just kind of, oh, and, and, uh, Skylar Timmons, if you haven't seen has his every Rocky ever, uh, on Twitter, that's been a project he's been working on and that's been a lot of fun to see. Um, so yeah, those are kind of our big projects right now. Just kind of waiting, waiting the lockout out and we'll kind of see what's coming down after that. That's two days in a row for Skylar. He, we talked about him yesterday with uh, Drew Goodman. So it's, it's awesome. two days in a row that at every Rocky ever is getting some some pub on here on the DNVR Rockies podcast. That's we awesome. love it. Thanks for joining us, Sam. You can follow her at Sammy B underscore 27. Again, all great stuff over at Purple Row. Make sure you're supporting them. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter and all of our great Rockies coverage on Twitter can be found at DNVR underscore Rocky. So for Sam Bradfield, I'm Patrick Lyons for DNVR Sports. Momentum, you know what they say, it's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So we'll actually talk to you next week.